This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the geek revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Listen to Weeby Geeks podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or online at WeebyGeeks.net. Weeby Geeks, your voice for the Geek Revolution. Want to know more? The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groove. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. I'm suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another edition, another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is because the, we have issues. We do have issues. Uh, it is the Intrepid Trio, Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. And um, I'm just going to say, how how's everyone doing? Forgive the interruption. This might be important. I see we got someone online with us. Thank you, Thursday, for giving us that heads up. We have Marvel writer Jed McKay. Um, and I off and on thinking about this today, I almost want to call you Jedi McKay. Give you a proper rank. I mean, you know what? If, if it works for you. <laughs> Um, that's the voice of Jed McKay. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm glad Thursday didn't give you any issues coming in because she, well, not, not so much. she, she can be temperamental. So wow. we're in beta testing. You know how that is. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. So, um, <laughs> for those who don't know what projects at Marvel are you currently working on? Uh, currently, my main thing is uh, Black Cat. Uh, we've been working on Black Cat for a while now. Issue nine will be coming out in about two, no less than two weeks. So oh. we have been plugging away with that. The, the two days uh, after uh, my work anniversary at, at Disney World. Oh, there I'm you gonna, go. I'm going to have to pick up that issue then for the cinema. Yeah, so, so yeah so that's number nine, starting um, a new sort of two issue arc there where uh, Felicia goes to Madripoor. They have Chris in drawing that two issue art so it's it's looking really good excellent uh, aside from that, I've done some, <clears throat> excuse me, done some writing on the Spider-Verse series that is still uh, coming out. So I wrote the last issue, which uh, will be coming out before too long. Uh, as well, I've also been writing the recently announced Taskmaster miniseries, which will be coming out starting in April. Excellent. Sweet. Excellent. And I think we talked about, you can't talk much about Taskmaster because it hasn't, not a lot's come out on it yet. Is that correct? Yeah, we just, um, it's something we've been working on for a long time, but uh, it like just got announced last week. So outside of kind of what's in the solicit, there's not a whole lot I can talk about on that one. Okay. So what got you interested into comics to begin with? 
Uh, as far as starting with comics, that's it was kind of right from the get go. I, like, I started to learn to read from co- reading comics and uh, you know stuff like Tintin and like um, Gladstone Disney comics and stuff specifically. You know the Donald Duck, and Uncle Scrooge, and all that kind of stuff. And from there, I moved on. I was uh, reading my dad's old superhero comics. He's got like three or four boxes of oh, wow. uh, books from, from like the the late sixties and through the seventies. Oh. And that's always, that's always been just kind of my, uh, my touchstone for reading comic books. So, you know, in, I was never that contemporary, especially when talking about superhero comic books, because I would just always be reading stuff from like 30 years before, which I'm still kind of trying to figure out if that's uh, informed the way I, I write comics in any different way. But uh, yeah, so <clears throat> from there, I eventually grew up thinking that I wanted to make my own comics, that I was going to draw them. Uh, and pretty quickly that became apparent that that was not a, uh, a viable course. Uh, that's, that's the thing, you know, where you think you're going to draw comics and then with art, it's always extremely visible if you're bad at it. Whereas if you're a bad writer, it takes you a long time to figure that out. And, you know, maybe, maybe you just you never do. So you mean we could now, have had Stick Devil and you just didn't follow yeah, through on it? I have, you know, it's it's the world's loss. This could have been this could have been Marvel one zero one one the stick universe. There you yeah. go. Wait, with <laughs> spider stick and wait a minute. What about the guy who trains stick devil? Is he just stick stick? He's just stick. Yeah, yeah. See, I think that's uh, <laughs> I think that's kind of where the concept starts to fall apart. I think that's why it never really got off the ground. <laughs> Or maybe in the stick universe, he's the only one that's drawn as an actual person. <laughs> well, I mean, then, stick was kind of lanky, so you know. It's true, but he also, I mean, if you're the one man in the universe uses a stick as a weapon and everyone's a stick, then you're suddenly at, like, Galactus level. That That's true, too. I mean, Very true. Okay, now, uh, I understand that uh, you were once part of an online community of comic book artists and writers creating things just for fun. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, it's something that I'm It's something that I'm kind of interested in the fact that it doesn't really seem to exist in the same way that it did back. So I'm talking about would have been between 2003 to, I mean, I guess it was started around 2003, but like this was before social media as we understood it like really had took root and at that point in time you know people communicate with each other by the message boards and forums and stuff like that um and i don't know if the the kind of forum as we understand it like that still exists but anyways uh, i was uh, i was used to spend a lot of time on a, a message board called uh enter void which was a, it was a comics battle website where people would uh, artists mainly young artists would uh create characters and then they would you know battle each other so each person would draw a comic and that would be voted upon and whoever got the most votes would win et cetera et cetera there's rankings and um points and stuff like that but Aside from that, there was uh, you know a message board forum, and there was a lot of people who were just you know getting out there, um, kind of the kind of hungry young artists using this, <clears throat> excuse me, using this at that time relatively new way to spread their art and you know get around there, and that's kind of where I got into doing actual comic stuff. As I said before, it became readily apparent that I couldn't draw that well. Um, but it was, I was still a member of this community and, you know, got to know people in this community. And that's how uh, I started making comics. Like an actual product is my friend Sheldon Vela, who is uh, an artist uh, from Australia. Uh, he was a member of this board and he got a hold of a script I wrote for somebody else and said, well, here, why don't we draw this comic and we'll, you know, have some fun and actually have something to our names. Uh, and we did that for a few years. And uh, so we did a few, you know, did a few comics, just, you know, shorts of various length. Um, and Sheldon used that as, you know, part of his portfolio for a while. And that was part of what got him, um, him noticed. So he uh, did some shorts for Marvel, did Cheaper's uh, um, Bizarre Adventures. Strange Tales. I don't know. It was one of those like uh, indie anthology books they did okay. a while back. So they would have just sort of young and usually kind of weird talent doing like short stories that uh, it was just kind of like, well, whatever you want to do. <clears throat> 
Uh, and eventually he got brought on to do an eight-page story in an anthology book called X-Men Serve and Protect, uh, which was uh, the conceit there was you had a, an X-Men character paired up with a non-X-Men character and they have an adventure for like eight pages. Um, and so Shell didn't know anything about the characters. So he asked me, he's like, well, why don't you come in and write this? And then, you know, we'll both get paid. And I was like, well, all right, fantastic. So that was the, um, that was my first Marvel work, my first paid comics work, actually. So on this, uh, on, on this message board, did you, uh, did you write primarily for original characters or did you try to work in like, well, I've always wanted to, to do a black cat story. So I'm going to write one about her. Oh no, it was entirely original stuff. Um, at that point in time, everyone was just like very into doing their own thing. Um, you know, people were interested in like mainstream superhero stuff, but it was certainly, I think a minority around there. Um, since then, uh, you know, a bunch of artists from that site have gone on to, uh, um, you know, sort of d- d- different levels of comics success. Um, James Stoko was a graduate from that site. Marley uh, Conan was said Sheldon Bella, myself. And yeah, so people, you know, people have gone from there to, you know, different levels of professional success and acclaim. Well, a very, di- very differing levels of acclaim, but yeah, different <laughs> levels of success. Yes. Yeah, Go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> uh, okay, well, you mentioned uh, Bizarre Adventures. And yep. actually, I'm chomping at the bit because back, uh, I don't know, maybe six months ago, uh, Marvel did a one-shot of Bizarre Adventures that you wrote uh, one stories in. Yep. Um, and so that book, I, I loved it because it was very retro and I could see I, I you mentioning that you you were influenced from you know from your dad's comics uh, that definitely came through. So oh, yeah. did did you? Uh, well, number one, because I actually I was going I went I dove back in to try and find where I stored that book because I wanted to find which specific story you wrote. Um, I couldn't find it, unfortunately, before showtime. But did did you require a? Did you have to do a lot of research for your story, or were you? Was this? Uh, I guess number one, which story was it, and were you pretty well versed in that character already? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the story I wrote was actually the first one that was in the book. It was the uh, Bloodstone story. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was um, Ulysses' Bloodstone, uh, but a much earlier juncture in his life than uh, we're used to seeing him in comics. Where um, uh, when you talk about my dad's comics, basically the reason I wrote Ulysses' Bloodstone story was that I wasn't allowed to write a Conan story, and I grew up reading um, the Roy Thomas Barry Windsor Smith Conans, which remains some of like my favorite comics of all time. Mm-hmm. And you know the real, real heavy purple narration. Um, you know the the sort of brooding uh, landscapes, the you know the, the stoic stoic barbarism and violence. It's just I love that. And when I got the you know email saying, "Hey, we're doing this book that's like a, an homage to the you know the black and white oversized magazines," I instantly thought of Savage Tales and Savage Tales number two and Savage Tales number three. I think had parts one and two of uh, the Conan Red Nail story which was, uh, you know, a spectacular piece of work by Barry Windsor Smith. It was just like absolutely, you know, apocalyptic in its violence. And I thought, well, I want to do like a barbarian story. And Conan was gone. So I kind of dug around and came across Ulysses Bloodstone. And yeah, I had to do a ton of research because um, it's kind of a pain in the neck to find out about you know, more obscure characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I now I kind of feel like I might be one of the world's most um, one of the world's foremost Ulysses Bloodstone experts, <laughs> okay. which is surprisingly you kind of find yourself in that position when you get interested in a character or you're working with a character, and in order to especially like a character that's more obscure, in order to understand them, you have to track down these you know different appearances of them or, or you know. Uh, there's luckily now pretty comprehensive uh, wikis that people put together, so you can kind of track a lot of stuff. But you know, when you get zeroed in on a character that you want to work with, you quickly become possibly one of the foremost experts. Um, I'm friends with um, Ed Briss, and he lives around here. I was talking to him about that. He's like, "Yeah, well, 
I know more about, I think, backstory and man, that, was, that must have been a tough one. It's like, yeah, it went easy. Uh, um, but yeah, Bloodstone, I got, I got really fixated on Bloodstone and then started putting him in other stories I was writing. Uh, at the end of Black Hat 1, uh, Bloodstone appears in a backup story. Um, I did a story in the Alpha Flight issue that came out earlier and put Bloodstone in that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've been i was really pushing for the 2019 like bloodstone revival but i d- didn't quite catch on yet so in other well, words you're saying you're not a big fan of bloodstone 2020 bloodstone revival brings. <laughs> well i i will tell you because bloodstone was a character that i wasn't very familiar with I mean, but, nobody was. But you did your job because all of a sudden I wanted, I want a Bloodstone, I want a Ulysses Bloodstone and Blade story. Yeah. I was going to say, isn't Bloodstone in, one of the playable characters in Future Fight? I uh, don't. His daughter. Elsa Bloodstone oh. probably is. Elsa. Okay. Elsa. Yeah, Elsa. But, I uh, want to say that Bloodstone was also a char- a, a playable character, or at least an NPC in the old uh, Marvel superheroes role playing game. Oh, oh, probably. I mean, they the would one- stat up anything. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it this way: even Aunt May had stats. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, she did. Uh, I uh, is that like the the old face rip one? Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still have, uh, I used to uh, do like uh, play-by-post uh, role-playing games on, again, message boards and forums. And I, I rolled up a character for uh, a game of Marvel Heroes, Marvel Heroes Super Role-Playing, whatever, whatever it's called, and uh, did like the full random superpower thing. I still got that character in my back pocket for something some, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> just, just write it's him like, in. Nobody else will know. Well, that's that's the thing. It's, it's. I know, I know who the character is. We'll see if uh, they ever get any use at some point. But, yeah. but yeah, like oh, Bloodstone, I think is a, a really interesting character. Uh, I liked him a lot because he's basically an immortal caveman who's lived forever. So you put him anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. Bloodstone be attacking a recording studio where there's a great podcast recording out of. I mean, that could happen. That could happen. Could. I mean, he's he's we, he's currently dead, but you know. Well, we know a podcast, oh, and we go. know that death is not uh, a career ender like it used to be there in Marvel. Uh, I mean, it never really it never really was, to be quite honest. Yeah, <laughs> unless your Uncle Ben. Yeah, pretty much true. Then become true. rice. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, you, you, again, you say that about Bucky. That you know that that was true, but Bucky and Uncle Ben were like, you know. That they were always, you know. But then again, with Uncle Ben, you got a body. Bucky, you didn't really get a body. It's true, and also yeah. Bucky's a lot more exciting to like put a, to frame a comic book around than Uncle Ben. Like no one's going to read the Winter Uncle. <laughs> Wait, he, he goes. Okay, oh. my my brain is just starting to go down rabbit holes with that, <laughs> and just. Wait, he, he goes around giving sensible advice to people. Is that yeah, with his metal yeah. arm that holds up the coffee cup, you know? Yeah, he's got I mean he's gotta have a robot arm. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> what would we potentially have from the from the spider ver from the twenty ninety eight Spider Verse Spider Ben? Sorry, what? What? Have, oh, sp- have Spider Ben? Uncle Ben becomes well, Spider Ben? Uh, well, there is uh, one version of that from uh, Spider Verse where Uncle Ben, I think it's a transfusion from uh, Peter. It was um, it was in Edge of Spider Geddon. Um, oh, okay. shoot, what was that? Issue four? Yeah, it was It was really good, actually. It was a great issue. See, I had, I missed that series. Even though I recommended it every every month, <laughs> I, I did not yeah. pick it up. But I'm going to have to go get the trade paperback for it. It's in Marvel Unlimited. There's that. Too. Yeah. There you go. I, I, I'm i just but, picturing uh, spider powers now. Well, I mean, he was in that one, if I recall, he was just more of like kind of a tough old working dude rather than like, you know, your, your Aunt May type character. Yeah. I, rec- I, I recommend you check it out. It's good. It was a, it was a great issue in that. You know, the edge of series are all like one shots in a row. So. <laughs> so having grown up reading a lot of your dad's books who was your inspiration to get into writing um <coughs> excuse me i don't really know if i could pin it down to be quite honest because it's just, just a matter of 
like when you're a kid, you have a lot of imagination. You're always making up stories. And that just kind of is how it's always been. I've always been interested in stories and fascinated with stories and like creating them. And I, I think writing stories, going from there to like writing stories, is just sort of the lot for things like, and again, you mentioned things like tabletop role playing games in the past. When I got into those when I was a kid, I thought that was um, kind of a real. Um, because when you use a role-playing game, it's basically a framework that says, here's how you create a character. And then you, you know, make up stories. You come up with stuff. So as far as any particular person that would make me want to start writing, I don't know if I could pin that down. Um, it's just sort of the whole general mess you know it's it's these you know three rubbermaid containers of comic books that have been read over and over again gradually i'll just get sort of chewed up into a slurry in your brain and what what you can distill from that right are there any characters that uh the the series that your dad had that uh, you read as a kid and you're kind of like now man if only marvel would let me get hold of this i think i could really have fun with it oh for sure i mean uh, like i'd love to love to get on some conan that'd be great you know conan is one of my my long term it's one of my long term favorites um uh, master kung fu and that was another book that uh is oh. a huge a huge part of my heart like that uh, the, you just made Gollum's night right there <laughs> but i will see that because there was a shang chi story in uh in the in a bizarre adventure bizarre adventures yeah yeah wow See now, now that he's going this route, I'm hoping for one character. Oh no, no, no. Well, uh, in um, in Zars the Dragon series, I wrote um, last the, the third double. Well, the last two issues of the third double issue, however you want to look at it. Um, I basically use it as an excuse to bring all these uh, master kung fu villains and well, not villains but characters back in and just have them all in one place, like. Uh, Cat had you know Zaren the Weapon Master had Pavan then yeah Pavan um uh had Rufus Rufus Super Midnight Carter uh, was in it um it wasn't until later that I realized that uh, Rufus Carter aka Rufus Super Midnight Carter aka Rufus One Eye Carter uh, had been drawn <laughs> with two eyes the whole time and I totally <laughs> missed it. <laughs> I felt like a real asshole on that one, but n nobody ever noticed. So I'm, I guess I'm telling tales out of school here. Well, you know, um, he could always just had a, like a, an implant or something. A glass eye was going to be my excuse. Yes, yeah, there you go. But what was the what was the character you had your fingers crossed for? Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Um, you'll see a very, very brief cameo of Howard the Duck in the near future. Yes. Days made. <laughs> Days made. But uh, as, as far as anything further than that, I've... Uh, it's not one I've been given. So I, I did, you know, there were a couple of Howard the Duck issues as I grew up reading. Um, was it the one with the sleepwalking guy with the... Yeah. Uh, the candle, the winky man, or something, and then yep. there's the one with the the, the guy with the, the space rooted Bega. Yes, yes, yeah. Those are those are in the collection. I remember reading those when I was a kid and thinking, wow, they really just they really had a pretty pretty broad tent there in the seventies, didn't that? Yes. See, I, I when like, the wow, movie, whatever when the movie came out in eighty five, I think it was. Um, mm. I went to my comic book shop looking for any copies of the book I could get and just fell in love with right. the character at that point in time. So I mean, it's great. I mean, I I agree with Walmart when they say it's Howard the Ducks one the best movies of the 80s i can't i can't say that i've ever seen it homework assignment gotta watch howard <laughs> the duck i mean it's it's always kind of been on the periphery but uh i'll be honest you're the first person i've ever heard anybody say any, you're the first person i've ever heard say anything good about howard the duck the film well, for <laughs> when it for when it came out <laughs> it was even though lucas is embarrassed by the film <laughs> when it came out, I mean, it was a great movie oh, okay. for for an '80s film. So, I mean, plus it's Marvel's first feature film. Technically, so isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and I mean, you know, what? I'm I I have an open mind with it. I'm not going to uh, disparage it out of hand. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, once you once you uh, see, I'll, it, I'll give it a watch and uh, see. What I, I'm fully expecting a, a tweet on 
Twitter going, yeah, you're nuts about how good this film is. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. That's fine. We all got them. We all got them. <laughs> yeah. Um, did, uh, so did your, did your dad have any of those old, uh, well, specifically, did he have any of the, I think it was, was it Deadly Hands of Kung Fu? Uh, like the large books from back in the 70s that were like Marvel's. The black and white ones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the big magazines. Um, um, you know, that's back when it was mostly like uh, Sons of the Tiger and um, yeah, Sons of the Tiger, Master of Kung Fu, I think mostly. Yeah, and, uh, uh, there the were Iron Fist in there too sometimes. There was there were some that had Iron Fist. Yeah, so it had had a, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had a few of those, but like for me, the focus was like Master of Kung Fu because it had that uh, Paul Glacey art in it, and that was just like those opening splashes were absolutely like nothing else. It was it was like taking Sharanko and you know further refining that that kind of design sensibility. I I couldn't imagine being a kid and having access to those books because I I didn't come across those books until like later, and even then mm-hmm. those. Like they were doing this back then, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, as well. And that's that's kind of I mean, sort of in the opposite boat where the the books I grew up reading were wildly out of date uh, at the time I was reading them. So a lot of like '90s stuff I'm just not familiar with at all, and I have to go back and read now to mm-hmm. to figure it out. So I'll think like, oh, I remember this character from a comic I read growing up, but I read it in the '90s, or you know, yeah, I read it in the mid '90s when it had already been out for 20 years so and then 20 years from some you know i really i really have to rely on that internet research to see if this character is still around and also who the hell they were because these weren't complete runs you have one issue of this one issue of that right um because you know you largely follow artists and if this artist was off this book for an issue you wouldn't buy so i would read a book like uh, the avengers are <clears throat> the avengers are getting their um uh, you know getting their heads kicked in by there's like the, the lion god of wakanda and it's like to be concluded next issue. I didn't have that. Didn't have next issue. So okay, I think I found out last year what finally happened to the Avengers in that issue. So, you know, like thirty <laughs> years later, and it's like oh shit. Okay, so that's the line God was. Okay, dope. Uh, by the way, just jumping in here, mm-hmm. uh, Bloodstone was statted out for the Marvel superheroes role playing game. He uh, shows up in the 1990 update to uh, the Gamer's Handbook of the Marvel Universe. Just, just I mean, because that's, that's uh, a random fact that nobody ever needs to know, but now they do. I mean, you, you wouldn't want to run a game without him. No. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. I mean, uh, just as an aside, I will apologize. I think my, um, I think my internet is kind of so. I, th- I think I'm lagging behind you guys. Not a problem. It's all good. Um, yeah, sorry. Continue. Yeah. So, of the current stuff you've been writing, what's been your favorite? Uh, sorry, sorry, of the current stuff we're working on, what's been my favorite? Yes. Um, don't, don't really. Honestly, I have time choosing favorites because generally everything I'm working on, I really like in one for one reason or another. Um, for instance, like Black Hat is the first time I've had a chance to work on an ongoing series. Uh, up till then, it's all been one shots, minis, uh, stuff like that. And so with Black Hat, I've had the opportunity to work on telling a story over, you know, an extended period of time for, you know, a lot, but more than, you know, two, five, six issues. Uh, when we started, we weren't sure if we were going to, you know, you know, we we're kind of hoping to get 10 issues, but, you know, that was real fingers crossed. Now we've gone past that. And so I just have the opportunity to really tell stories at a much sort of larger scale than I've had been able to in the past. Okay. Um, whereas, whereas other stuff like, um, you know, Taskmaster, I really, I really love because I really like the character of Taskmaster. Um, I like writing characters with the selfish motivations and, you know, Taskmaster is basically a bully and a coward and it's, and, you know, it's, and it's extremely petty. And that's why, you know, I, I find really entertaining to write with him. Um, and then similarly, you know, everything, you just try to zero in on the stuff that is exciting to you because that's how you get something written um did an absolute carnage uh, weapon plus one shot a few months ago and just you know zeroing in on 
the power and the violence of these characters because previously I would be writing mostly you know street level characters uh, people you know who are punching and kicking when all of a sudden you've got this god empowered carnage and um, you know Weapon H who is the Hulk but also Wolverine and you know you're working at a whole different level of scale as far as you know power and conflict goes so I don't really know if I can say what is my favorite but I can certainly point out what is my favorite thing to work on with the different books that I'm working on if that makes any sense yeah yeah. Um, do you find that uh, do you find yourself like are there certain characters that you re- that like you would put out there hey if this character is available I would love to write for this character or do you just find motivation in you know the assignments given to you and then you just do the deep deep dive into whatever character that is uh, it's kind of a column A, column B situation where, uh, like, given my druthers, you know, like, like every writer's got their pet characters they want to take with them from book to book. Um, you know, everyone's got their favorites. And uh, so when, I, when I'm when i put in the position or when I'm able to, I will take those characters, dust them off, and use them either because I really like writing them or I think that they're really inter- interesting, entertaining, and that they should be seen more. You know, case in point, Ulysses Bloodstone, where I put him in three books when he hasn't been in a book in years and years and also i don't think there's a whole lot of demand for old ulysses bloodstone just because i like him uh similarly you know batrock the leaper i love i like batrock a lot so i put him in when i can um but you know a lot of the times it's just you get the email that says hey we're doing this it's got to have this do you want to do it and you don't say no so you say yes i'll do this (laughs) so even if it's a character you're not immediately enthused with the trick is to like like i said before find what it is about this character that you find interesting or exciting and drill down on that uh, when I, I got the, the job to do that carnage thing so we want to have weapon h as the main character and i was like well i'm not really a weapon h fan like i know i know about him but i don't really know if i can you know find that thing to write you know 30 pages with the guy but you know you do your research you come up with your ideas you run the dialogue in your head that eventually you think okay here's the angle that i really like here's this thing that makes me like this character and make me excited to write them and to show people what they do and what they say and how they act and how i think that they um how i think that they would act in this situation that i'm putting them in so yeah sometimes sometimes you know you sometimes you get to pick your favorites other times you go to war with the army you have but it's just about finding that thing that you really like and can really hook into with the character and with the story and just really pushing on that because you can't you can't write a story you don't like i mean you can't it's not gonna be very good but um and ideally you want to tell the best story that you can or else you're probably not gonna have jobs anymore do okay. you, uh, does the choice of the artist that you know you're going to be working with mm-hmm. affect? Uh, I don't want to say affect, but does it influence how you write for a particular character? You go like, well, you know, I've I've got Mark Bagley who's going to be doing a, a you know the run on this on this character. I know he does these things really good and I want to write to play that up or, or do you just write, does, does it influence it either one way or the other? Uh, it, it varies wildly because in a lot of cases I will have something written and I don't know who's going to draw it until much later. Whereas in other cases say, they'll say, okay, well, here's who we have for uh, this issue or this series or this set of issues. And then I can write to um, what, you know, what I gather their, their specialties are. Like I've got Chris Anka on uh, the next two issues of Black Cat. So right in there, first off, I'm not going to bother describing what anybody's dressed like because you know Chris has an amazing sense of fashion and fa- you know clothing design. So I'm just like, well, just make them look good. Um, you you certainly know better than I do. Um, but yeah, like depending on who you know is doing what and what the kind of things are they're good at, you want to you always want to try to play to the strengths of the artist. Um, most specifically, if I can, if I have you know enough kind of warning as to who's going to be drawing the thing that I'm writing, I like to just talk to the artist you know directly. Say what what are you interested in? What do you want to do? What are some kind of things you'd like to work with uh, given the opportunity? Which I think is super helpful because you know, like I said, you don't want to write a story that you don't like. In the same way, you don't want to give an artist a script 
script to draw that they're not going to find interesting. Right. And if you can, mm-hmm. and if you can, you know, say, Hey, let's work together to come up with some stuff that you find interesting. Then I think just, it makes life easier for everybody. Cause I mean, are comics there... is such a, no, sorry, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I just say comics is such a collaborative enterprise that, you know, you really need to be able to work together. Okay. Touching on that, uh, are there any particular <laughs> artists out there that maybe you haven't had a chance to work with but would really love to? Oh, boy. That's uh, that's really opening up <laughs> the floodgates. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can get into that because I mean, I'd be here, all, be here all day. And also, I think the thing is, like, a lot of the artists that who I really like are also artists that just, you know, they don't work with writers. You know, they do their own thing. Um, especially for a long time, I was largely out of superhero comics. And you get a lot of people working in indie comics and stuff who are just, you know, one-man shows. They, they do all their, their own thing. Um, I'm always I'm always excited when I have a chance to work with my friend Sheldon again. Sheldon and I came up together. Well, we didn't come up together. He brought me into comics. Um, actually, just yesterday in the mail, I got the original art for the first of uh, the first page of the first book we ever did together, which was real exciting. Wow! Uh, last last year we did a Japanese Spider-Man uh, short, which was really great. So you know, it's always fun to work with Sheldon again. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I, gotta, I feel like I had to play a little close to the vest to say. Uh, who, do I, who do I want to work with? There's so there's so many people. Okay, how let's, let's go back some. How did you get involved with Marvel Comics, or how did they end up recruiting you? Well, uh, like I said, they got my they got my friend Sheldon, who is an artist, and he brought me in to write a story with him. Okay, and so we did, we did our eight pages there. It was a it was a Dazzler Daughters of the Dragon story, and um, we was like, okay, well, this is great. Let's let's see what else we can get, and didn't hear anything for about four years. Then they brought. Uh, then again to do another eight page story in the anthology it was uh, spider-verse number two so we did the the, f- the first punk spider-man story okay. that was like another eight picture and we thought okay well this is you know people on the internet were talking about it thought, oh, this is you know really well received uh, let's let's you know try to get some full issues so you know send our emails and stuff and talk about for another four years uh, and last year, sorry, I guess year before last, um, Marvel called us up again and said, hey, do you want to do a full 20-page issue about uh, the I was like, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Uh, Sheldon had to bow out his running animation, and that takes up a lot, a lot of time. I think probably pays better, too. <clears throat> but, yeah, so I, I said, yeah, for sure. I wrote that 20-page issue. Gerardo Sandoval drew it. Uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was good. It was a real learning experience for me as far as writing comics goes because it was um, – I basically put too many panels on the page and too many words per panel uh if you if you get a chance to look at edge of spider again number one it's it's an absolute nightmare of word balloons uh, i made a lot of bad decisions <laughs> uh, but yeah from there i emailed nick the editor said you know i had a really great time doing this uh, i'd love to love to work with you again he said well luckily i have the six issue daughters of the dragon uh, digital only series where the, apparently they had some people doing it, but they had uh, dropped out for whatever reason and they needed somebody on it like Sharpish. So I said, yeah, of course, I'll, t- I'll totally do that because, you know, like I love the Daughters of the Dragon. And later I found out they had Travel Foreman drawing in this big Travel Foreman fan. So, so yeah, Daughters of the Dragon was pretty well received uh, in the, around the Marvel offices. Uh, got me to do Man of Fear. Um, then, you know, a lot of one-shots and backups and bits and bombs. And then uh, I got a black hat. Uh-huh. So I want to ask what, um, this question. Being a native of the PEI in my mm. research. Yeah, I can tell. How, how was it to go from there to New York? And have you been able to keep your hockey fix? Um, this is going to um, really, really tell some secrets, but I actually don't really care about hockey that much. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, it was, it was cool going to New York. Like I've been, it's not like I've never been to a big city. I used to live in, uh, used to live in Korea and China. Oh, so that's uh, cool. You know, like I've, I've, I've been in Seoul a lot in Beijing. So it's not like I was walking around Gawk and, uh, like some hayseed, but that said, you know, New York is, is a pretty great city and going to New York Comic Con was, is a pretty exciting experience. Got got to meet a lot of people whose work I'd followed for a long time. Um, I just talked to Art Adams, which was a while because he did uh, a couple of pages in the, the first Spider-Verse issue we did. So 
And yeah, it was just like, it was a great experience because working in comics in Maritime Canada, <clears throat> I only know like a couple people who actually work in comics in the city I live in because it's a city in Maritime Canada. Like, what do you expect? Um, but to go to New York and just meet all these people just, you know, everywhere because you know, that's New York NYCC is like where everybody goes to. Uh, yeah, it was wild. It was really, it was really a great time. I, I, you know, a bit overwhelming, but uh, <laughs> well, that, that's think, yeah. my next question. Getting to New York and having such a a network to to draw from was it overwhelming? Mm. And obviously, you oh, yeah, said it, sure. it was. Um, I know you said you had the one person who brought you in. Um, were there others uh, that you were drawn to, to to make that support group right away in New York that uh, you're you're still close in contact with now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not like the best person at meeting people. Um, just not not really something I'm particularly good at. But I went up there. I was hanging out with Ed Brisson, who's like my friend here. So he's he's been a great sort of uh, you know guide and professional mentor to kind of say, okay, well, you know, here's here's things you want to do in this business. Here's things you don't. And you know, it's, it's great to sort of meet people in the the Marvel, you know, milieu and you know make introductions and stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I met, met a lot of really great people. Um, you know, people still keep in touch with here. So yeah, it's, it was it was good. It's certainly uh, certainly worth the trip. <laughs> yeah. Now you, you mentioned um, Taskmaster. How did mm-hmm. I, I know we're not we can't go into details about it right. quite yet. How did, how did that project come um, across your desk? It just came about. Uh, Chris Robinson, the editor on it, emailed me about it and said, "Hey, do you do you want to do this?" And I said, "Well, sure," because he said, "Well." It's a little weird because not weird, but you know, it was different because he had a pretty specific idea of what he wanted from this series. And so here's the kind of general framework I'm thinking of. Here's what I what I want to happen. Um, can you make this work? And you know, there's a lot of jittering around and moving stuff to make it all come together, but um, yeah, I mean, that was basically it. Um, uh, Chris, I'd worked with on Alpha Flight at that point in time. So uh, he'd seen my Alpha Flight story and yeah, I sent Taskmaster my way, which is great because I really like Taskmaster. He's one of those characters that shoehorned yeah. Daughters of the Dragon. Mm. So um, having the opportunity to work on the Taskmaster series, because as I'm sure you've seen, there's a lot, there's going to be a whole pile of Black Widow, Taskmaster stuff right. coming out for me. So this was you know, part of that push. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it basically just came down to getting the email saying, Hey, do you want to do this? Hey, do you have the time for it? Okay. So, okay. And it's, uh, this may be pretty obvious, uh, but it seems you have, uh, you, you seem to be drawn to like the street level characters and the brawlers. Mm-hmm. Um, has, uh, does that, do, is there just is there a reason for that, or do you is it just is there something about those characters that you like uh, specifically? I mean, I know I'm drawn to those characters, and I and I have my reasons for that. But what what is it that draws you to those types of characters? And I kind of include Taskmaster in that because he's you know he I mean even though he he definitely can cause trouble like at the upper levels, but he he's more of a no, he he's a brawler, you know. I I think well, part of it is that these are sort of the characters that I've been offered. I'm not really in a position where I'm, people ask me what do you want to do or like ask me to pitch stuff to them because I'm still pretty new to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, these are the characters that I do like to work with because I find I find a lot of the times I mean working in superhero comics the characters that have the kind of lesser amount of power i generally find a little more interesting mm-hmm. because i was interested to write because when you put them in a in a tight spot they've got to figure out a way out of it that's not just i will exercise my powers and therefore win you know what i mean right mm-hmm. which is it's, it's not what i'm saying that is done with other characters but it's i think it would be easy for me to fall into that trap mm-hmm Whereas something like, for instance, Black Hat or Taskmaster, they're getting into situations that are over their head, and you have to come up with a plan. You have to come up with a scheme, uh, a twist to kind of get them out, either uh, planned or unplanned. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something I find fun and interesting. And you know, I like I like sort of street level characters. I don't think I've ever written a character who can fly yet. Um, <laughs> 
it's not not that I'm not that I'm averse to it, but it's just this is kind of the the wheelhouse I'm in at the moment. And yeah, I don't know. It's just I just find it. I'm not one of those people who thinks that you know this is more realistic and therefore it's better because I don't think comics need to be realistic. It's really not superhero comics mm-hmm. uh, because. I, I think that way is kind of a silly way to look at it. Right. Um, it's just, I don't know. I just, I just find it interesting. I just, there's something about them that appeal to me. And that's a lot of, a lot of those characters are the ones that I like the most growing up. Mm-hmm. So let's say the powers that be at Marvel come to you and say, all right, you know, we, we love the work that you've done so far. You can pick whatever character you want and do a mini series with them. Who do you get? Well, we bring back Alpha Flight, baby. <laughs> I, I am Canadian after all. And, they are and isn't it a contractual Canadian obligation series. that Canadians have to work on Alpha Flight at some point? I mean, I have worked on Alpha Flight. Okay. That, that was uh, that was one of the ones that was on my bucket list that uh, I didn't think I was ever going to do, but it came together, came together. I think it was I think it was August that book came out. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've always I've, well, it's not not I've always loved Alpha Flight, but I've always been kind of fascinated with them. And the um, when you're like when you're Canadian, most if not all of the media that you consume is American. Yeah, uh, it's just the way it is, especially if you're reading comic books. I mean, if you're if you're reading superhero comics, not only are they mostly all American characters, they're mostly all living in New York. Yeah. Whereas you know, I remember reading, remember seeing the, the Marvel superhero trading cards and seeing the Alpha Flight card, and they said, "This is a, it's a Canadian team." I'm just like, well, you can do that. Like, that's a thing. That <laughs> no, I'm I've always like I, I'm not Canadian, but I've always been fascinated by Alpha Flight as well. So it's uh, Alpha Flight's always I, been intriguing. Yeah. Intriguing. Yeah. And also, like, they're, they generally screw up more often than they succeed. And you know, I they're think always, that's part of what I like about them. And they're always, you know, they're always complaining about they're not getting paid enough for, like, you know, they can't make dollar stretch as as far as it used to. And yeah, there's just there's something I find really endearing about Alpha Flight. And so I was really, I was very psyched that I got to work on, you know, do, do an Alpha Flight short, that one shot that came out. However, Alpha Flight, despite going for like. 150 issues in the 80s uh cannot sell a book today (laughs) which is a real shame yeah yeah well maybe if they get the right writer behind it they'll do well there you go hint hint (laughs) we know a guy if you're listening tonight I mean, Alpha Flight has their own helicarrier, and it's pretty awesome. You know, man. Well, Department Department H had their own helicarrier. Well, that's and, true. And D- Department H ran Alpha Flight. Well, at different points in their history. Right. Hmm. But anyways, that that's getting into the let's get into the Canadian tall grass there. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't nothing wrong with that. I, I was waiting for you to mention Captain Canuck, but uh, you didn't. So, okay. which I know that not one of ours. No, he so. wasn't Marvel. He's not Marvel. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. uh, yeah, I'm not actually as well versed on Captain Canuck as I should be. Um, I've got a friend here who was in Alphax, Tony White. He's done a lot of work with Captain Canuck and Chapter House and stuff like that. So, I honestly, I probably should be better better versed in Captain Canuck than I am. <laughs> The uh, only reason why I know about Captain Canuck is that my wife is Canadian, so uh, so I, I have a trade in my house right now of the new series. So I, I I'm not that well versed, you know, but I'm familiar. With, but you know, yeah, I mean, we just we just can't shut up, really. <laughs> but then you know, uh, I think Wolverine when Wolverine first came out, and I'm like. Wait, he's Canadian? Uh, I'm like, what? And he's he's handling all the butt kicking like that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, and it was the thing was like it was kind of it. I was all and I first uh, I was a kid when Wolverine first came out, so I always thought of Canadians as being butt kickers, and so <laughs> I did. It was like one of those things, like, well, they're nice. I'm like, what do you mean they're nice? I, I, have you seen have you read Wolverine? Have you read Sabretooth? There's nothing really nice about, but okay, well, <laughs> you know. Then. The first time I had ever heard of of Alpha Flight was I was uh, collecting the classic X-Men. You know how they were reprinting like yes. old X-Men's and and including like a backstory uh, about something else. And when Hudson, the, the first time he like put on the suit, you know, the Vindicator suit and basically came to collect Logan to, to oh, take yeah. him back to Department H, um, 
I was kind of like, who is this guy? And then I started, you know, digging down into that. And I'm going like, okay, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I think it's, I think they're a great team with great history and a lot of great characters. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a big puck guy. I'm glad to see pucks getting some, uh, spotlight again in Mortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. What are some books that are must read for you from Marvel each month? Must reads. All right. Um, Good question. There's a lot of stuff I kind of let lapse and then read in chunks. As far as most reads go, uh, I mean, Immortal Hulk has always been great. Um, following some of the uh, the Dawn of X stuff has been really good. Um, what else is coming up from Marvel that I'm following? It's hard. It's yeah. It's hard for me to think of like what I'm keeping up with because again, it usually falls behind several issues and then like comes back up. So, yeah, like uh, Marauders have been reading, New Mutants have been reading, um, Avengers I'm behind on, but got to get back on. Uh, X Men. What else? Jeepers. Yondu, I was on. It's a good one. But yeah, just a, a smattering kind of stuff here and there. Okay. Well, the reason why I asked that question is mm-hmm. we do picks of the week each week. Okay. And I think we 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 each pick three books a week. Um and. Sometimes, depending on how time falls, we have our guests rate our picks each week to see if there are any that they would pick. So, uh, Eric, why don't you start us off with your first pick of the week? I knew you were going to say that. Um, Okay, so uh, my first pick of the week is a number one. It is Deadpool the End number one. The final Deadpool story. Wade Wilson may seem like he's unkillable, but there is more than one way to put an end to him. But don't take my word for it. Quintessential Deadpool scribe Joe Kelly and record-setting Deadpool artist Mike Hawthorne team up to prove it to you. Deadpool is done for. Okay. Kylan, your first pick. Uh, My first pick is... a Well, actually, I'm kind of taking a page from... From Eric, and I'm going with one of the trades because, well, why not? Um, I'm going with the Black Widow trade, uh, trade paperback Widowmaker. Uh, thrilling adventures, thrilling adventures of Marvel's deadliest super spy, Natasha's shadowy past once again threatens all she holds dear in a globe-hopping thriller. As the Black Widow's house of cards comes tra- crashing down around her. What will she do to keep her deepest secret buried? When a senator is seduced and assassinated, why does the trail followed by his journalist son leads back to Natasha? Meanwhile, espionage agents around the world are being assassinated by an all-new Ronin. The next two targets, Black Widow and Mockingbird. But Hawkeye is determined to unmask the killer. Let the spy games begin. This is collecting Black Widow, Deadly Origin 1 through 4, Black Widow 1 through 8, uh, Widowmaker 1 through 4, Fear Itself Black Widow, Black Widow Saga, and material from Enter the Heroic Age number 1, and Iron Man Kiss and Kill. Okay. Well, my first pick of the week is Spider-Verse number four. It's four of six. It's high noon, the town's in trouble, Sheriff Stacy is down for the count, and the sinister... Sextet is threatening the peace. Who could possibly stop them? Why, Webslinger, of course. Join Taryn Gilliam, Killiam, uh, star of ABC Single Parents and formerly of Saturday Night Live, for his Marvel Comics debut alongside Juan Gideon of Venom, uh, to bring bringing you a horse that can run up the side of a building. So those would be our the first round. Uh, I haven't actually read any of those. <laughs> I've read the I've read I've read the script for um, Spider Verse because I I was writing I wrote the first third and sixth in that series. Okay, uh, but I actually haven't actually haven't seen um, Pool. I haven't read, but if Mike Hawthorne's drawing it, it's definitely worth the money. And um, that Black Widow, I'm sure I've read some of it because it sounds like it's books from across. Like that's a this seems like a huge spread in that trade. Uh, it is. It's one of the uh, it's one of the forty dollar books. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, 
I have read the script for one. I know I like the artist of another one, and I'm sure I've read something out of the third. <laughs> well, uh, let's move on to our second picks of the week. Eric, you're up. My second pick of the week is the number two. It is Thor number two by Donnie Cates, Nick Klein, and Olivier Coppel. The Black Winter and the Devourer King. Before him lies the Black Winter, behind a trail of death wrought by his own hand. The God of Thunder hurtles through the cosmos, searching for the power to save Asgard and all existence. But no power in the heavens can save a god, a king, from his bloody duty. Kylan, you're up. My second book is Hawkeye Freefall, number two. Uh, brought to us by Matthew Rosenberg, and Otto Schmidt, and Kim Jacinto. Who the is Ronan? Uh, the mystery surrounding the volatile new Ronan deepens as his actions begin to destabilize the seedy underbelly of New York City. Hawkeye finds himself caught in the middle of an increasingly dangerous turf war between Ronan and the Hood. Though Clint may not approve of Ronan's methods, it's hard to argue that his argue with his results. And pretty soon, he may need to choose a side that his allies and the Avengers won't be happy about. Okay. Uh, my second pick is Amazing Spider-Man Daily Bugle number one. It's one of a five-issue mini. It's by Matt Johnson, Mac Chatter, and Mark Bagley. Uh, spinning out of Amazing Spider-Man, the journalist must speak truth to power, whether or not it's wielded respons- responsibly. Helmed by Peter Parker's mentor, Robbie Robinson, the Daily Bugle staff is at last chasing stories that matter. And in a city under Mayor Wilson Fisk, keeping the public informed is a as it is dangerous. Weaving between events in Amazing Spider-Man and Daredevil, Matt Johnson, uh, which we know from Hellblazer Special, Papa, uh, Midnight, uh, Loving Day, um, and Mac Chatter from Black Panther and Crew and Briggsland are following a lead into Kingpin and Spider-Man's past that will change the way you look at the web slinger now and as the story continues. All right. I, uh, I, yeah, I got to go with Hawkeye Freefall on that one. Yeah, okay. it's uh, it's a it's a great series. I really like it. I think ever since uh, the days of the Matt faction, Hawkeye, this new Hawkeye based mm-hmm. m- more based around what we see in the movies is a probably one of the strongest Hawkeyes we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, yeah, it's the. Um... I mean, like, Matt's, Matt is a really good Hawkeye, and uh, the Otto Schmidt art is just as, is real perfect. It's not like anything else you see in a comic, in a, a mainstream comic on the shelves. Okay. Uh, so, Eric, final pick. My final regular pick of the week is Conan the Barbarian number 12 by Mahmoud Azrar, Jason Aaron, and Isad Rebic. The epic conclusion of the life and death of Conan. Razazel has risen. Conan has fallen. Krom may not care, but you cannot miss this issue. Plus, the final chapter of the all-new novella, Black Starlight. Okay, Kylan, your final pick. My final pick is Jessica Jones' Blind Spot, number two of six, brought to us by Kelly Thompson, Maria DeLuis, and... I hope I got that right. Uh, After being brutally attacked in her office, Jessica turns to Dr. Strange to help her find the target. But he may discover more than Jessica's bargained for. Okay. Well, my final pick is Spider-Ham number two. Yes, I did leave both Star Wars titles on the table this week, (laughs) which is odd for me. It is very odd to the point where the both of us, me and Kylan, we pretty much don't pick Star Wars titles because we know you you claim dibs. Exactly. Uh, I left them both on the table. So Star Wars 2 and was it Rise of Kylo Ren number four? Yep. Left. See, that's how well I know the titles. I left them both on the table. But <laughs> Spider-Ham number two, it's two of five by Zeb Wells and Will Robson. And I believe Zeb Wells is also a writer or creator with uh, Robot Chicken and that crew over at Stupid Monkey. 
uh, Zeb Wells and Will Rob- Robson, authors of your favorite comic book of the year, Spider-Ham number one, reunite for the series-stunning second issue. But what threat could be so dangerous, so deadly, that it imperils the Marvel Multiverse porcupine protector, even with his cartoonish resistance to injury? So... Uh, as far as my rating goes, I, I think I've only read Jessica Jones. So that's that's the digital only series. It was a, like the summer before last, right? Yeah, it was a digital series. And he wrote they re uh, <clears throat> they re released it um, as a right. mini series. Uh, yeah, that's I think that's the only one of those that I've actually read, and, and I read it last summer. <laughs> so, so, so sometimes I'm very far behind, sometimes incredibly far ahead. That's Kylan with the sweep this this go round. Yeah, I guess so. That does well, never happen. <laughs> hey, so I was, uh, I, I'm gonna have to tap out here. Uh-huh. Um, my battery is just about dead, and it is getting late over on my end. Well, it was our pleasure having you on. Um, well, thanks so much. It's great to come on and talk about some comic books. You're you're welcome. And you're welcome back, back anytime, anytime you want to talk to more. Yes. All right. So well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much. No problem. Have a good night. Hey, you have a good night. All right. All right. Have a good one, guys. You too. So, Eric, your MU pick. Well, it's kind of unfortunate that uh, that Jed had to leave us because, well, my MU pick this week is one of his. Uh-huh. It is Edge of Spider Geddon number one, where we see Spider Punk back and better than ever. After Spider-Verse, Hobie Brown was a web warrior, but that didn't mean things back in his universe were solved. The writer of Spider-Punk's story in Spider-Verse is back and joined by Venom's Gerardo Sandoval. Spider-Punk's Earth is under attack both on the ground and from space, meaning his responsibility seems to outweigh his power. Okay, sounds cool. So, uh, again, shame Jed wasn't able to uh, stick around for the whole show. But, hey, we understand battery issues and everything else. Uh, I'm sure we'll get him on in the future. I, I thought it was a great conversation. Right, really, yeah. really loved it. Uh, I can't. I would love to get him back on once Taskmaster's out and really. Oh, definitely. After that book's been out for a few weeks or a few and, months. And one thing I, I just want to touch on real quick that he mentioned earlier, where he was talking about basically role playing via play by post. Mm-hmm. And you don't think about that as being like good practice for a writer, but. Uh, I I do this a, as well, and there are still some message boards out there to where you can do that. But it, doing a role playing game via a play by post format versus a uh, you know, I say sitting around the t- the dinner table with your friends and, and rolling dice and trading you know sci fi movie quotes, it, it's completely different right. because doing the play by post. It really is, in its basic form, it is a group storytelling exercise. Exactly. Group writing exercise. Yeah. And it is great because your characters, there is some structure to them. It's kind of like, well, you know, and, and like I mentioned with uh, the old Marvel superheroes game, y- you know, you have your character is statted out to where it has its, you know, his or her limits, uh, his or her abilities. And that gives you the framework to write from. And sometimes that's just it, it can get frustrating because especially when uh, when people say, well, how do you do uh, Spider-Man in this other system? It, because you're trying to apply structure where none existed to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Stan Lee didn't roll Spider-Man up as a D&D character. And so, yes, you do have stats, but depending on the writer, they could be totally off base. Right. Right. So all you who say role playing games are trash. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm uh, in one of my writing groups. Uh, one of the things that we do to help us create characters is use something that's basically basically a character, uh, a character sheet, uh, you know, because sometimes. It helps to flesh out the character by giving them stats and being as specific as you can about who that character is. Absolutely. You know? So, I mean, there there was a lot of things that come out of RPGs that help writers and, and help people think creatively anyway. So, you know, 
So double. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Mike, your turn. Give him a triple. Yeah. I, I just don't have it. I, I I just was learning myself from what Jed was saying and was appreciating everything. Um, so, you know, to for him to say he's still new in the business. Didn't sound like it to me. He he sounds like a lot of the long-term vets that we've had on the show. Yeah, he does. So um, to me, that that's where my yeah, it would be. Um, he, he's very well versed. He he having the the books of his dad in the past to really inspire him. It definitely shows his writing style and, and puts him almost gives that almost gave him an advantage of, OK, he may be a rookie or new to the, the industry, but he he writes like the like some of the greats and is able to hang with with the vets. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he he's a rookie in that he hasn't been working for Marvel long. Correct. Mm-hmm. But or only or in, that or in the industry itself long. Mm-hmm. As he said. Yeah. So uh, any final thoughts? I thought that was the final thought. Okay. Then there's only. I'm one. sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. Then there's only one thing left to do. Thursday, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. one of the most powerful computing systems on the planet, and this is how we are spending our time together? 